Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, I'm Danny Kelly. Welcome to the new Trans-Europe Express podcast. Myself and Rob Daly for the next couple of hours. Amazing goings on in Italy as Juve creep towards the next title in their fantastic history. We'll also talk about uh, the equally storied Andreas Iniesta as he goes into retirement, clinching another title in Spain. We will try and unravel for you exactly what's going on in the title race in Turkey. And I don't just mean on the pitch there. We'll hear about a man with staples in his head affecting what's going on there and in their cup final as well. And um, we'll be joined by Tony Evans, Liverpool supporter and author, talk about the history of this Champions League rivalry between Roma and Liverpool and the dark side of it as well. All of that, plus the usual jokes and polls and all the rest of it over the next two hours. I hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy it half as much as we enjoy doing it, then you'll have a ball. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. Yeah, good evening and welcome to uh, the Trans Europe Express here tonight on Talk Sport. I'm Danny Kelly alongside me. Uh, really, really, I mean, the others, the others, they like to make out they're my favourite. My favourite wingman on a Sunday night here. It's Rob Daly. Hello, Rob. I know you're lying. I know, Danny. <laughs> I listen to the podcast. I know you say it. Did you, did so, you, um, did you, every did other you, you make it to the, to the, to the curry night we had, did you? Yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah, well, then you'll have heard me take the stride to everyone. You're my favourite. Absolutely. <laughs> After 11 pints, you were definitely my favourite. <laughs> Yes, we're going to review all this weekend's action, including the extraordinary goings-on in Turkey. We've got some European musical homework for you following that Andreas Iniesta press conference. Uh, Simon Calder will go to uh, the latest of his World Cup venue city. He's going to talk about Bulgograd. Yes, Bulgograd. Um, we'll keep you up to tonight's big games. PSG against Gongomp. Uh, Gingampa, I don't know. Deportivo La Coruña against Barcelona. Barcelona already won up there. And Torino against Lazio. And we've got a poll for you as well. We'll talk about that in a second. It should be a great two hours. And I'm going to have to talk even faster than this in order to squeeze it all in. Welcome to Rob Daly, my favourite co-presenter. To you, the listeners, my favourite listeners. And to Trans Europe Express on TalkSport. You should have more confidence in your in, in your standing, that's all I'm saying. Um, as I say, we normally go through the top four leagues in Europe in great detail, you know, outside of the Premier League. 
Um, but we've had to drop one uh, this week because of what's going on in Turkey. But we won't start there. Let's start in Italy and the headline, which, again, I don't expect that the awards will be flying in, but there it is. We've got to write something. Uh, Juve got to be joking. Um, and this is to reflect the fact that Juventus have taken not one, but given today's uh, the events of the last two hours, two gigantic strides to retain their title. But the game against Inter in the Derby Italia, as I must learn to call it, just extraordinary from start to finish. Yeah, an incredible game in which Juventus took the lead. Inter went down to 10 men. A yellow card initially given against Vecino for what looked like a sort of stamp on Mandzukic, overturned with VAR, so Inter down to 10 men. They then take the lead with two goals, Barzali scoring an own goal, Icardi actually leveling the game at 1-1. So they lead 2-1 into the 87th minute, own goal by Inter Milan, screen out into his own net. Iguain header in the 89th minute, they win it, and it's typical, typical Juve. Um, I mean, the, even the sending off was weird, wasn't it? Because it, it was initially given... As a penalty, so it couldn't be the triple whammy. That's that's in the other. That's oh, sorry, in, sorry, that's, sorry, that's the elsewhere. We'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, quite. yeah, but quite right. But this was a yellow initially that they the VAR team looked at and said, "That's a red card." He's he stamped on him, and, Mar- right. and Mario Mandzukic had this huge cut in his leg. One of my one of my pet hates about modern football. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure the blades. I'm sure the blades are yeah. great for the movement, better perhaps for people's knees uh, than studs were. But when you see the occasion, it's only one, one about one a season. You see where somebody gets sliced open by one of the blades, and that's what's happened to. It must Mandzukic. catch them absolutely perfectly, or something. Absolutely, well, it must, where, if it breaks the skin at the start of the contact, I think that's where you get this kind yeah. of. It's disgusting. Is it's a butchery effect, isn't it? I mean, yeah, he was, was slit open. The fella. yeah, it's pretty ghastly picture as well that was doing the rounds online and. Um, you know, there's talk of him being out potentially for the rest of Juve's season. They do have an upcoming uh, Coppa Italia final against AC Milan, but um, it was such a huge result for Juve. Having lost to, obviously, uh, you guys went on air last week, the, the loss to Napoli at home, which blew the title race wide open. We went into this weekend with Juve one point above Napoli with a tougher run in. So that win for Juve put them four points clear prior to Napoli at Fiorentina this afternoon. And what we saw there um, was... Well, a calamity for, for Naples have been so consistent, so dogged, so everything you need, yeah. and it's all blown up in their face to see. It has because they've lost 3 0 to Fiorentina, and uh, it started in the fifth minute when Koulibaly, who got the winner against Juventus the weekend before, brought down a player through on goal. Now, the referee originally gave a penalty, and in that circumstance, if the player's making a legitimate claim to win the ball, you can't send them off. You give the penalty. But you can, you only can only give a yellow card because exactly. it's so-called double jeppy, triple jeopardy, is what they used to on. call it. Yeah, VAR reviewed it and said that's not a penalty. That's outside the box. So now he has the option. Indeed, the, I guess the the, the, the correct duty decision. to pull a red card to out. Show, send him off. So so Koulibaly, key central defender, sent off. They don't score from the free kick. But then Fiorentina run away with it. And, you know, I saw most of the game. It, they looked pretty comfortable. Napoli just could not settle after that. What happened with Juve, I'm sure, rattled them the day before. And the hero for Fiorentina was Giovanni Simeone, son of Diego Simeone, who scored a hat-trick, one in the first half, two in the second half. Really good finishes. And uh, it, with four points now, with three games to go behind Juve, that might have killed Napoli's relatively slim hopes now. Yeah, and I guess some of the stats are starting to judge ju- the, the brilliant effort Naples have made. But Mertens, after what he did last year in particular, no goals in seven. Insignia, two in eight. So they ju- they've just they've just 
they've done everything they can, but they've just run out of whatever attacking power you need. And it's completely understandable because there was a situation whereby he wasn't rotating the team. They were competing in the Europa League, of which they were surprisingly knocked out by Leipzig. It just it always felt like it might be a little bit too much for them. And look, we you can't criticise Napoli even from what's happened today because. They don't have the money of AC Milan. They don't have the wage bill of Inter. They don't have the money of, you know, even Roma. And somehow they've kept pace just in an extraordinary season. They've lost three games now all season. Um, But sadly for them, probably it isn't going to be enough. Still tough games to come for you. They have to go to Roma, but they play Bologna at home mid-table. They play Hellas Verona, who are probably going to be relegated by then, the final day of the season. It looks like Juve are going to win it. Once again, and in this in that case, I say you know fair play they get, they put the points together, but you have to give credit still to Napoli because at least they've been a race. Oh, 100%. Previous years we've just watched you. I mean, you've got into an early lead and essentially just kept everybody else at arm's length, haven't yeah. they? Picking and choosing their sides depending on what their European commitments were. At least Na- Naples have forced them to play and play their proper teams. Exactly, and I mean, look, it's 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 incredible that they've managed to keep pace this long. They have no right to be, you know. 27 points above AC Milan in the table. Uh, just a quick one as well. Just been told there's a penalty for Lazio. I think it might be Luis Alberto. They're playing at Torino is, tonight in the is. race for the, yeah. the Champions League. And he's just having to take his time because the player's moving in on the edge of the Malinkovic penalty. Malinkovic Savage was brought down for the penalty. A um, little bit of messing around, as, as is always the way. I'm not too too much of a big fan of the blonde highlights from Former Luis Alberto. Player, of yes, course. indeed. And he steps up. And he was never scoring that. Too much messing about before the there start. Was a little bit <laughs> saved by the goalkeeper. So 22 minutes in, Torino nil, Lazio nil. Uh, Lazio looking um, to help cement their place inside the top four with a, with a win tonight. Does Immobile normally take the penalties for Lazio? Yeah, I don't know what. I don't know why Luis Alberto's oh. taking that. Maybe he's know. not. Maybe he's not on the pitch. We'll, maybe. we'll, we'll, we'll check. Ch- check that for yeah. you. But that st- that standing near the ball, two steps run up, not for me. Um, <laughs> no, it just isn't. It just isn't. Um, we mentioned Roma. Now, look, later on in the show, people, for, join us, uh, obviously you're with us now, at nine o'clock, Tony Evans, who's written so brilliantly over the years about Liverpool Football Club, um, is joining us to talk about the long-running rivalry between Roma and Liverpool, and indeed between the fans of Roma and Liverpool, some of which we saw in unfortunate circumstances on Merseyside the other day, and hopefully we'll be avoiding and when the game is played, the second leg is played in Rome during this week. Both the Champions League semi-finals, by the way, are live here on Talk Sport. But Tony will be joining us from nine o'clock to talk for a, a, about a half an hour about everything that's been going on um, between those two clubs over the years. Immobile's gone off injured. That's why uh, Alberto Luis Alberto was taking that sort of a, a, what you might call a cousin of a penalty. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the aforementioned Rome. We'll talk about them a lot later on. But yep. uh, they interesting that they they had a good win. But they also, they looked like they were playing a very attacking eleven, possibly trying to work out what to do against Liverpool. Yeah, I'm sure we'll go into this a bit as well with Tony, yeah. but the, the three at the back, the high line, all of that just was a complete catastrophe from Eusebio Di Francesco. And, um, and, and I, I couldn't have told them about the whole team doing that, but I could have told them what would happen if Fazio was allowed to do that. And um, Yeah, and I, I, I just, Juan Jesus, who um, was absolutely terrified of Mo Salah in the second half. He was absolutely terrible. Sure enough, he got himself sent off this weekend as well uh, in the league as Roma beat uh, Chievo by four goals to one. But they went 4-3-3. Now, they did rest a couple of players. Manolas on the bench, he came on. They didn't play Florenzi. But I wonder if actually the team he's selected in terms of an attacking sense with El Shirari, 
Schick and Dzeko might be what he goes with. He was very unhappy with Jenga Zunder, who was getting grief from his own teammates before he was hauled off at half-time. Uh, the other issue is that Perotti, Diego Perotti, who came on and was a massive factor in Roma thought, getting back into the game. So. I thought so. Superb. Might miss the second leg of the Liverpool tie because of a shoulder problem. Um, Kevin Strootman is also a doubt for the game. Both of them miss this weekend's game with Kievo, and that's a big blow for Roma in what is already a slim chance of reaching the final. Uh, uh, that's, that, that's fair to say, though. A little bit less sort of um, uh, slim than it was 10 minutes yeah, before the yeah. end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I shall be looking at your face, because uh, I think it's a big <laughs> secret you're a Liverpool fan, uh, and Tony's when we discussed that last mm. 10 minutes. I mean, mm. o- overall, Liverpool were just magnificent. I mean, I was breathtaking at times. And then that happens, and you can't help thinking, oh, blimey. <laughs> I know, I'll, I'll keep my powder dry on what that was like for Okay, for we'll do, do that, absolutely right. Now, the reason why we're making such a big fuss about Lazio's penalty is, of course, this game is critically important at the top of the table. Lazio currently fourth. They need to win that, because if they do, they'll put Inter Milan in a... Ri- well, behind the eight ball, almost, uh, for qualifying for the Champions League. Completely, with three games to go. Inter, if, say, Lazio win tonight, they would be four points off the Champions League places. And it only compounds the fact that, you know, Juve and Inter hate each other. It just go, it goes way back to loads of match-fixing allegations and refereeing and, and controversial games back in the 90s and everything. Not only have Juve beaten them at home with two goals in the last minute, they might have knocked them out of the race for the Champions League. So, massive blow for Inter, who have been completely... I don't want to say up and down. They were up for a long time and then down for a very long time. And it would be an extraordinary achievement for Lazio to get themselves back into the Champions League. At the bottom, Benevento, of course, have long gone. Verona will go. Um, and then it is Perm any one from Chievo, Spal, counting upwards, Cagliari, Crotone and Udinese. Very close. Three points covering that those six clubs. Big win for Spal at Hellas, uh, Verona to just keep themselves uh, in 17th, just outside the relegation places. Um, you know, you'd probably argue that Udinese up to 14th, is that what we're saying? Are, yep, are still in, in still so, with yeah. the chance of being relegated. They've got, you know, they've got slightly better goal difference than the rest around them. They've lost them. 21 matches this season. <laughs> you know. It's absolutely stacked. It's one of the most in the league. Crotone, Cagliari, you know, Sassuolo probably have done just about enough to get drawn back into it, but... Very tight down at the bottom. Not sure who's going down. Empoli did get promoted well, from Serie B on so Friday. we've enjoyed so much looking at how close Serie B has been this yeah. season. Um, and that's one. So now we know at least one name. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't be wrong to call Empoli a yo-yo club, but they're the first one promoted back up Serie A. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, done so on, on Friday with a positive result. And, um, you know, a, a, a more established Serie A name, you'd probably argue, than the likes of Benevento, who've had an interesting result of their own this weekend. It looks like Parma might be one of the teams that join them as well. Um, and uh, you know, I think a lot of people are rooting for that. You know, course, especially it's nostalgia, the, isn't it? Yeah, especially the you know you, uh, we've talked about a lot of the nineties fascination with Italian football on this show in England, and I think a lot of people associate Parma with all those other top clubs that occupy the five places at the top of the league. Right? Absolutely, now. absolutely right. And finally, the uh, the, the seemingly endless. Um, beauty parade, beauty pageant to become the next manager of Italy. And, of course, it is a fantastic job to have. Um, the latest person, Carlo Ancelotti, I mean, having thrown his kind of hat in for Arsenal and got doesn't seem to have been encouraged, where is he now with Italy? Well, I think we were talking off air, and, and you made the point that you think it's still club football that would get Carlo Ancelotti excited. And I'd be inclined to agree. Um, you know, the newspapers are saying lots of things in Italy. Corriere della Sport most recently this week saying that um, 
Ancelotti has decided against taking the Italian job. I don't think it's any secret that Mancini wants it and he wants away from Zenit. Claudio Ranieri. Those are two separate things. Yeah, though, well, that's yeah. very true. <laughs> he uh, wants away from Zenit full stop. <laughs> yeah. And, he and then like that would be a bonus. Job, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Claudio Ranieri's been uh, linked with it as well. So uh, I don't think it's going to be Ancelotti. I think that the, the fact that a few high-profile jobs are coming up for grabs means that Ancelotti's going to try and keep himself in the market for, for a club role, for now anyway. I mean, you now he's 58. He probably thinks he can take on that Italy job a little bit later. Steve Singer's just tweeted in. Of course, you can tweet us throughout the uh, evening at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, at Rob T. Daly. says, do you think there'll be a fire sale at Napoli in the summer? I don't, th- I don't think so. I mean, that's a good question. I think Insigne's completely committed to the club. I can't see him going. I mean, how many star players are there now? I mean, Hamshik has probably had his moment to have a big move when he was touted with Real Madrid and the Premier League. Dries Mertens is 31, They've I want to say. got a load of players just coming over and coming to that age, haven't exactly, they? Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah I, it's, but the left back is hugely rated. Um, Goulam, yeah, Goulam and then Koulibaly is very highly rated. Yeah. Uh, maybe one or two can be swayed to, to move on. But look, Napoli are very stubborn when it comes to selling players. Look at Gonzalo Higuain. They forced Juve into paying an absurdly high buyout for a 20, 29-year-old striker, you know, uh, a couple of years ago and in, in, in getting him to Juventus. Juve will say it's money well spent, but they, they will stick their feet into the ground and refuse to sell a lot of those guys. No Who's doubt. your style of the week in Italy, Rob? Bakri Sanya. Ah! <laughs> and uh, I hinted at this before because he scored a 90th-minute Equaliser for Benevento. Benevento already relegated bottom of the league, but they got a 3-3 draw with uh, Udinese. The brilliantly named Kevin Lasagna scored twice for Udinese. Uh, but Bakary Sanya with a diving header in the 90th minute. Not only did he do the initial round of celebrations with his teammates and appear to walk back to the halfway line, he was like, I'm going to milk this. And he went over to the subs and got another round of hugs. So... Uh, Good on him. Good for Bakary uh, Good result for Benevento. And good to hear about Kevin Lasagna. People said he was past it. Breakdown, you thought it was, of course, is the Arctic Monkeys. And this is Crying Lightning. Songs about tears and crying tonight, please, because of that amazing press conference during the week when everybody in the Barcelona team were crying, and so was Andreas Iniesta as he announced his retirement from the club. Text me your request, songs about tears and crying, 81089, and you can tweet me directly, directly at Danny Kelly Words. This is the choice of Rob Daly. Who I think the Archie Monkeys might be his favourite band. Yeah, they do, absolutely. Have you heard the new record yet? I know it's out any second now. Only a few select reviewers have heard oh, it. Oh, it's got a great uh, title, hasn't it, and all that. So yeah, you're I very excited. It. It's like Tranquility in Base Hotel, hotel. or something. Yeah. May 11th, and I'm too excited to explain. I've got my tickets for the O2 at least. So. These are the Arctic Monkeys. Now, normally we uh, go on to either France or Spain or Germany here, but oh, there's been another goal in the oh, game yeah. between Deport and Barcelona. Who's got that? It's been scored by Lionel Messi, I think, Danny, and it was Luis Suarez, right-hand side of the area, 
flicked it to the back post, an outrageous chip ball to the back post. And from an incredible angle, he just smashes a volley in. It's actually Barcelona's second goal with six minutes to halftime. They can win the league tonight yep. at Deportivo. Of course, Clarence Seedorf might be crying later on as well. Uh, but the opening goal for Barcelona coming from Felipe Coutinho. Usman Dembele, right-hand side of the box, cuts it back. And Coutinho just sweeps it in with his right foot into the top corner far side. Lovely goal, Coutinho. Lovely goal, Messi. Lovely Barca. And headed for 34 games unbeaten out of 34. Although maybe they just not, conceded. Maybe not. Oh, that's a fine finish. The Deportivo have just pulled one back before half-time. They're looking to spoil the party tonight. And they it, believe isn't it. Isn't Arsenal's Lucas Perez on the foot? It certainly <laughs> is. Lucas Perez has just cracked one into the bottom corner. And Deportivo have got a massive lifeline. So Deportivo won Barcelona 2. Clarence Seedorf clapping. He's loving it. Of course, head coach of Deportivo these days. They're in a lot of And in the bother. back of Lucas Perez's mind, he's going, maybe the new manager will like me. You know, <laughs> it's also possible. So is he still Arsenal player? He is. Lucas he is indeed. Yes. yes. Wow. Right. Okay. So that takes us to our poll tonight. It's a bit cheeky. Sorry about this. Um, managers everywhere. Um, who is the best manager currently out of work? Who is the best manager currently out of work? And your choice is between... Carlo Ancelotti, mm. Thomas Tuchel, mm-hmm. Luis Enrique, mm-hmm. and Chris Coleman. Um, recently out of, out of work, and I understand favourite for the Ipswich job. Chris Coleman, Luis Enrique, Thomas Tuchel, Carlo Ancelotti. Um, is that on TalkSport? Is that, is that the poll up on TalkSport? Yes, it is. I haven't put it out yet. At TalkSport on Twitter, at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter, and at Rob T. Daly on Twitter. Just voting now. Yeah, who voting did you vote now. for? Tuchel. Wow. Thomas Tuchel. Okay, that, that, that kind of takes him that, that takes him past some very experienced men there. Yeah, Luis so- Enrique's won the Champions League. Yeah, he has. Says so Carlo Ancelotti, who's way out in front. Maybe I've made a mistake here. Tuchel and Coleman are neck and neck. So, is that right? I mean, yeah, yeah 11 12% between them. Okay, at the moment, Carlo Ancelotti... Your call, PSG. I, I voted for Carlo Ancelotti. Though I do think he's a bit lackadaisical for the modern game. When, <laughs> he you is see a him on, when you see him on the training pitch and he's kind of waving his hand airily, I think his idea is let the players play. I work at great clubs. They've got great players. That play. is what he does, I think. That I is think it's what he does. What he does. Yeah. That goal by Deportivo might, might put a... a well, they're they on the attack again here now, offside. But uh, and that, Good that, game. Yeah, very good, good game. game. Fantastic. Let's talk about Turkey. Now, I want to call it the Baklava League because it is the nuttiest in the world. Um, it's also the best race for a title this year, but I don't know where to start with this. We're doing Turkey this, this week. Yeah. I'll let you explain. But at the start of this weekend, four teams, the giants of, uh, largely the giants of, of Turkish football, Galatasaray, Istanbul, Fenerbahce and Besiktas were separated by three points in a race for the title. Yeah. There's been another round of matches. They're still only separated by four. I'll do the league stuff before the cup stuff, yeah? The cup stuff is another whole juicy morsel in itself, yeah. So Galatasaray beat Besiktas in the derby at one of many Istanbul derbies by two goals to nil. Fernando and Gary Rodriguez scoring Dusan Tadic sent off for Besiktas. So that means that Besiktas are now four points behind Galatasaray. Besiktas fourth, Galatasaray top, and that's put them in a very good position in terms of the title race. Yeah, Fenerbahce won, as you said, 4-1. I mentioned that only because Vincent Janssen got his first goal for a long time, the Spurs player, who's been out for, like, I think six months with a toe injury. It's been a injury. long time. Yeah, they were really worried about that injury, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, he's come back there. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, let's make the point. I know a lot of the clubs are based in, in Istanbul. It's a bit like Buenos Aires in Argentina. But currently, these four huge clubs who are battling it out, they're all from the capital. It's a bit like um, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United going for the title in this country. 
See what I did there? It's a bit like that. Prepares, <laughs> prepares for Twitter store. Turns off. Is that for tomorrow night? Turns off. <laughs> turns off phone in preparation. All right, West Ham. All right, let's throw West Ham okay. in there. Queens Park Rangers. Whoever. Um, so the, the league, the league title race goes on and on, and it is fantastic. Um, but there's also a whole lot of business going on. The Turkish Cup final is two thirds of the way through. Oh, let me mention Adebayor quickly. He scored for Istanbul Besiktas here, who mm-hmm. are second. They won four one at Osmanli Spor. So that's. Adebayor news yeah. done. Good. So uh, the Turkish Cup, this is properly mad. So Besiktas uh, uh, and Fenerbahce played each other. First leg two two at Besiktas. Second legs nil nil at Fenerbahce. Fifty seven minutes in, something is thrown at the Besiktas head coach uh, Shinol Gunic, and it splits his head open. He has to have his head stapled. There's a actually. terrible picture of a man with a. It's a. It's every bit of two and a half inches heading towards three inches cut on top of his head. Held together with a five of those brutal metal staples. Yeah, yeah, really ugly looking thing. So game called off. Called off. They said, we'll work out what we're going to do later. So nil-nil in the 57th minute. The authorities say, OK, we're going to play the final 33 minutes behind closed doors. Bishit does say, absolutely no way are we turning up for that. That's supposed to be May 3rd, so that's this week yeah. sometime. They said, we're not, we're not showing up. They've been told, if you don't show up, you're out of the cup. You're not going into the final. I would add final. that uh, when the, the poor man demonstrated his wound, the picture of the savage uh, staples in his head, certain of the Turkish newspapers said that they, they uh, got quotes from outside sources, no, no names, just saying, oh, they did that themselves in the dressing Conspiracy room. Conspiracy theories yeah. have been... I mean, it this wasn't st- that badly hurt. They just cut his head open in the this, dressing room. This, game, this has got everything. And uh, this is the quote as well that Bashik just put up on their website. We've been on the field for 115 years. We've won, we've had draws, we've lost. In order to not accept being losers, we will not show up. How good is that? So uh, I have no idea what's going to happen. It, at the moment, I think Fenerbahce are going to turn up at an empty stadium on their own. Brilliant. <laughs> so so literally, so I think this goes well because there's no crowd allowed in. If the opposition don't turn up, so it's Fenerbahce's 11 players plus their subs plus the four officials... And are they going to open the door and let them into the stadium anyway? Like if the other teams are there, you just get our boys. Oh, no. I mean, I remember that World <laughs> Cup where Chile got to, to, to score a symbolic goal because the oppo didn't turn up. Something to do with the war, I think, in 1970. Really? When there was a war between sure. um, uh, El Salvador and, forgive me, Honduras, caused by uh, Chile. Uh, somebody refused to pay Chile because of their government. And Chile had to turn up and score a symbolic goal. I want to see more of that in football. And <laughs> and that. And... Fans of this part of the world, in case you thought that the Turkish Cup final being boycotted by our participants wasn't enough, we'll be talking about the Greece Cup, Greek Cup final very, very soon. A not dissimilar situation. Um, my favourite thing that happened in Turkey this week, and it's all great, um, involves the fellow being banned from the ground. OK, so Deniz Lispor, right? Yeah. Uh, one of their supporters has got a stadium ban at the minute. So what he did was uh, he hired a cherry picker put flags on the little cage bit and had it crane over the stadium so that he could see the game. And there's great photos of him going, go on, boys, obviously in Turkish. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and eventually the police were like, come on, come on yeah. down. And they, they shuffled him away in his cherry picker. But I think not bad yeah, imagination. Yeah, but the next time you're moaning about having to queue up for 20 minutes to get into a football ground, <laughs> think about this fella hiring his cherry picker so he can see the team he supports. You might be a little bit soft core. Uh, coming up next here on Trans Europe Express with me, Danny Kelly, and Rob Daly, we'll talk about Germany, um, where we've seen the first relegation and much else besides, including the new king of red cards, and he's on his way to the Premier League. <laughs> 
Tears and crying tonight, please. 81089 and uh, at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter. This is my choice. Smokey Robinson, the miracles, the genius of Smokey Robinson, and tears of a clown. A secret of Motown success in the 70s. Just listen to that record. The bass sounds like an earthquake, and the smallest instrument in the band, that tambourine, is mixed like First World War artillery. Your request, please, 8 Danny Kelly words. Let's move on to Germany, Rob. You're beat normally for uh, a man has to keep the wolf from the door, I understand. I understand you keep the door, the wolf a tremendous distance from the door. That's right, isn't <laughs> That's it? That's true. That's true. Yeah, I was, yeah. came back from Germany this morning. You've got a wedding to pay for this year. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's, oh, like, that's, public. Yes. that's public now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's public. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, it's it's the married. second most high-profile ginger wedding yeah. of 2018. In Ireland, it's probably the, the 44th <laughs> highest uh, ginger <laughs> wedding. There yeah, you true. are. Let's talk about um, Germany then. And our, our headline, and we just cannot stop punning about Hamburg and hamburgers. And they're still not mincemeat, it says here. Hamburg, who, of course, this is the, remember that? So remember that? So we recorded the sound of about uh, oh, 20 weeks ago when Rob said, this is the year Hamburg are definitely going down. This is the mm. sound of him putting the nails in their coffin. And yet they will not lie down for no. you. No, I shouldn't have. This put... is the sound of Hamburg inside their coffin. <laughs> They're knocking to get out. They're alive. <laughs> They're alive somehow. Uh, they won 3-1 at Wolfsburg um, this weekend. And it, they've actually completely pulled Wolfsburg into the fight now to survive. So Wolfsburg are in the relegation playoff spot with 30 points. Hamburg have 28 in 17th just below them. So two points in it. They won 3-1 at Wolfsburg. Bobby Wood, who's completely rubbish, scored a penalty. Lewis Holtby scored again. He's got like four goals in five Holtby games. Holtby for England, etc. Uh, yeah. abs- <laughs> absolutely unbelievable. Making a late run for the World oh, Cup I love squad. that Lewis Holtby yeah, for, for a good thing. Uh, and Luca Valtschmidt, who scored the goal last season that put Holt Wolfsburg in the relegation playoff spot, effectively did it again. So a lot happened at the weekend for Wolfsburg. And um, they they are in they are in so much trouble. The, it is I mean, insane. At home to Hamburg, that was the game. They only had to draw to really, yeah. really. They, that was the game they just could not afford to lose. No, and I think the other teams are like, "What are you doing? Why are you keeping them in it?" Um, but you know, with two games to go, they are still alive. I mean, I was thinking, you know, we wanted the clock, didn't we? We wanted to buy the clock yeah. for the studio. But um... we were, for those of you who don't listen every week, I know, ridiculous thought. But some of you, I mean, some of you might be newcomers. Um, Hamburg had this fantastic digital clock in their stadium, um, which it shows the the seconds, minutes, hours, months, and years since they yeah, were relegated. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like a hundred years, something extraordinary like that. And what are they going to do with it if they do get relegated? We want it here for the studio clock to replace <laughs> these, frankly, piddling little things that we have yeah, in the studio. Things, yeah. Now, to be fair to you, Rob, which is not a phrase you hear very often, mm. this is the sound of uh, even earlier in the season. You would tell him that Cologne would go down nailing their coffin. 
Oh, yeah, I remember that. And you were right about that. Fondly. That. You were right about they that. They got relegated this weekend, ah, sadly. Probably my daily, fa- everyone. For, probably my favourite uh, Bundesliga club. They, uh, they, they had to win this weekend at Freiburg, who are also still in with a chance of being relegated. They went 2-0 down. They pulled it back to 2-2. Leonardo Bittencourt with two brilliant goals. Uh, but then they conceded in added time to, to lose. So they are down to Bundesliga 2. But what we saw with their fans coming en masse, and I mean masse, to Highbury, and to the you know the Emirates Stadium earlier in the season said something about what kind of football club this is and the fact that they're two best players and one of them's got a World Cup winners medal unless I'm very much mistaken um, have come out and said actually we're going to stay and fight it out in the I mean Tino Horn everyone thought would go Jonas Hector would be in huge demand both staying. They're both staying. They're going to play in Bundesliga too. And I think back to when Juventus got relegated and the likes of Buffon and Del Piero and Trezeguet, all those guys stayed. A, a similar thing's happening at Cologne. So Jonas Hector will play at left-back at this World Cup for Germany. Yep. First choice left-back. Captain of Cologne. He says, I'm staying. And they've signed contracts taking 50% pay cuts. Timo Horn, the reports are he's taken a 60% pay cut. So, you know, there was talk of him being the next British Dortmund goalkeeper, heavily linked with um, Liverpool. So they were both crying last weekend after a home draw with Schalke where they fought back from 2-0 to get to 2-2. It wasn't enough. So, um, you know, incredible connection between those two players in particular. I mean, Timo Horn's a Köln boy. Used to stand on the stand and watch his team play now, plays for them. Um, but they, they've, you know, they've, they've probably, I mean, for Jonas Hector, he's probably signed away any big career move now for himself. And... Um, you well, it'll be very, very interesting them. to watch them next year yeah. in, 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 in Bundesliga. They have, they have to come up back up, yeah, by the of way. Course. They, uh, otherwise, they're in a world of pain financially. Is that they? right? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the wage bills are very high there. So, Meanwhile, in the ongoing, what you could call it, drama that is uh, Bayern Munich, it was the uh, Niko Kovac derby where the future manager of Bayern takes on the... Uh, takes on the team that he's currently uh, yeah, as, as so often happens silly, in isn't it? I mean it's, it is annoying and uh, you know Niko Kovic's Frankfurt they've spiralled aside from reaching the cup final where they will play Bayern so this is a real cup final exactly as well. But Bayern are only thinking about the Real Madrid game. So they completely changed the team. Played their youngest uh, 11 since 1971. God bless whoever worked that out. Uh, Nicholas Dorsch scored on his debut. Wagner, Zula and Rafinha all scored as well. The only first team players who I think will start in the week. Kimmich and uh, uh, Hummels played. Aside from that, you know, and Sven Ulreich, the goalkeeper, who doesn't need resting. And they beat Frankfurt 4-1. I should make a point here that um, it's very important to Bayern Munich, despite that defeat against Real Madrid. We'll talk more about the Champions League later, but this point needs making, doesn't it? This Bayern Munich side are desperate to stop Real Madrid because Real Madrid, if they were to win it three years running, am I right in thinking that would be the first side to win three successive European championships since Bayern Munich in the mid-70s? Yeah, that's that's probably right. I don't think, I anyone, don't know, with, I don't think anyone with three in a row since that. No, they haven't. I, I wonder if, I mean, yeah. I'm sure the Bayern players have been made aware of this. And... They, you know, you read the the quotes from the players. They they say, and I think even Thomas Muller was talking about our season's no longer defined by the Bundesliga. It's it's defined by the Champions League, and they've come up short again. I don't want to get into this too. I want to, you know, I know we're going to talk about this later. But have they signed the quality of player required to compete with Real Madrid? Probably not. But they'll look at what Juve did and think they've got a chance. But you know, another win in what has been a very comfortable title title win for them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Absolutely. Let's, let's um, move on to the race then behind them for Champions League football. Leipzig imploding. Naby Keita 
um, establishing himself I'd... as the Koenig, the king of red cars. <laughs> His discipline is, is a real issue. I mean, mm-hmm. look, you're 3-0 you're down at Mainz today. And it's added time. You're already on a yellow card. And you just foul someone completely needlessly. So his fourth red card of the season. One of those were on international duty. But three for Leipzig. He's been very good in recent weeks. He's improved in the second half of the season. He was poor in the first half of the season. His last five games, he's been involved in five goals, either assisting or scoring. But there is a discipline issue there. Now, whether this all stems from, I'm going anyway... Mm Off to Liverpool, of course. Off to Liverpool, who knows? And he might well have played his last game for Leipzig. You know, they've got two games to go. He's going to get a one-game ban at least for the red. I made it. He goes to 10 yellows, so maybe he gets another game. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Um, But, um, you know, completely unnecessary. And Leipzig are are bottling it, plain and simple. Dortmund um, still very very much in there in the Champions League places. And you think Jadon Sancho should go to the World Cup? Oh, yes, I did say that in the office. (laughs) Do I mean it? Do I mean it? Yes, I mean it. Good. I'll tell you why. A, last weekend, he was unbelievable in a in a very big win against Bayer Leverkusen. Scores one made two. I know this is the Theo Walcott 2006 World Cup thing, isn't it? I'm doing that with Jadon Sancho, the poor fella. But he is incredibly quick. He's so intelligent. He's so confident. And he's so positive. And I think, even though England might not play with wingers at the World Cup, granted... I think as the option, I would I would take it. He's not had a great deal of game time, but I just I'm such a huge fan of him. And in fourth place, Hoffenheim blow there for Serge Gnabry injured out of the World Cup. Uh, it looked pretty bad to me. I mean, I was commentating the game on Friday night. They beat Hoff- Hanover three nil a three one, but he went off with a thigh injury. Missed two months of the season with a thigh injury earlier. Lars Stindl went off at Gladbach this weekend. That's two players who were hoping to make the World Cup squad. His looked really bad, an ankle ligament injury. I think both might might be out, but that you know we haven't heard the full uh, prognosis on the pair yet. And despite Bayern Munich's best efforts to hobble them, uh, Hoffenheim still in the Champions League places. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann really does deserve a great deal of credit for what he's doing there. And a couple of things have happened as well. Um, we understand that Fortuna Dusseldorf, another right. name from the dim and distant past, they've been promoted. Uh, to the Bundesliga. Yes, they secured it with a, uh, a win over Dynamo Dresden. They even survived a late penalty scare, the, you know, a missed penalty to uh, a late goal, I should say, that they scored that secured their place uh, back in the Bundesliga after a four-year absence. Kaiserslautern champions only in 1998. Now, this is what, what do you know? Is there a background to this? Well, how can Kaiserslautern be into the third I, I, level? I, I, I've not been following Bundesliga two as closely as perhaps I should have done, but. They haven't That's been near the required. I oh, know. I'm really sorry. I'm trying to keep up with the Greek Cup. But Mark uh, Langdon would know. That's <laughs> he for probably, sure. He probably would actually. To be fair, get so, me Langdon. Get no, me Langdon. Stay away, Langdon. <laughs> uh, so I mean, look, 20 years on from the, the most shocking league title in Europe success when Kaiserslautern won it in '98, like Leicester winning it here. Honestly, that's how. Big well, we're going to hear about something similar in Holland as well. Before yeah, the very, end of the show. Yeah. Soon. Um, and so they dropped down to the third tier, and like 1860 Munich, who we've seen fall into uh, similar fates, have actually dropped down a bit further. You know, some of the big names uh, falling out the, the the top two tiers. Who is your star of the week in Germany? Two. I'll do them very quickly. Ando Kramerich scored a hat trick. Brilliant form at the moment for for Hoffenheim. His last goal, a fantastic lob. But I have to give a mention uh, to a young kid called Riddle Baku, right for Mainz. He was on the reserve team coach off to a Freiburg game, and then as they're on the drive, they go stop the bus at the next service station. We need to pick up this kid. 
uh, for the first team against Leipzig. They go get him. They start him on his debut. He scores the third oh. goal. They win 3-0. So Reid Labaku probably gets my uh, star of the week. That is lovely. And thank you for rattling through all the news from Germany there. Let's get the latest from our poll. Uh, who is the, the best manager currently out of work? Now, I don't know which is most remarkable about this. Nearly 7,000 votes already. And you can vote on Twitter at Rob T. Daly, at Talk Sport, or at Danny Kelly Words. And so far, Carl Ancelotti is winning by a mile, 58% of the vote. Uh, Luis Enrico, nine, Enrique, 19%. Thomas Tuchel, uh, soon to be announced as the PSG manager, I suspect, 12%. But he's only 1% ahead of Chris Coleman, who's got 11% of the vote. I'm loving all that. There's a goal in Paris, Rob Daly. Paris Saint-Germain, nil. Gankomp, one. And it looks like... <laughs> Blass is the player who's got it. It's a wonderful half volley, left foot, edge of the box, pinging off the bar, Yaboa style. They're leading at half time at the French champions. Coleman in. Coleman in at PSG. <laughs> That's what we say on Trans Europe Express. You were my son. You were my earth. You didn't know all the ways I loved you. Talks about tired, crying and tears. This is Justin Timberlake and Cry Me A River. Different from Julie London's version of Cry Me A River, I think it's fair to say. Your request, please, 81089 the text or tweet me at Danny Kelly Words. And the reason we're doing songs about crying and tears um, is that extraordinary press conference where Andres Iniesta announcing his departure from Barcelona. Um, well, he, he wept like a starlet, and all of his teammates at the back of the room uh, joined in as well. It was lacrimose, I think, is the word I'd use. Um, and that takes us to Spain this week. And adios, Andres. He's going. Ending a 22-year association with Barcelona. Four Champions League, eight league titles. A winner in a World Cup. 125 caps for Spain. Going to win his 35th career title probably tonight as Barcelona are winning at Deportivo where he's on the bench. Um, he said, you know, I've looked at him this season having played most games and think he is still outstandingly good. I mean, ask Chelsea from the last round of the Champions League, um, uh, from the previous round for that, the round of 16. But he says, the club deserves the best version of me and in the, in the very near future, I won't be able to be that. It's best for me to leave uh, this and club some, feeling some important. some Chinese club deserves the most expensive version of me. Chongqing Li fan, that he won't, he won't confirm it yet. He's going to get his fat payday. You know, Good like, like Xavi's, Xavi's had um, in Qatar. And um, I, I get, I get, you know, the legacy thing, the things are damned. You just go out while you're on top. I mean, no, he's not going to headbutt someone in his final game. But, um, you know, he, he said in September 1996 that arriving at Barcelona was the worst day of his life. He was just in complete tears as his family left him, left him there. And he's, he's an interesting guy who's talking so much about his feelings and his ups and downs. And he's had massive lows, even though he's had huge success. Um, but, you know, Barcelona losing what, what many people are saying, maybe the greatest Spanish athlete ever. Is he the greatest Spanish football? Uh, all these discussions right now about Andres Iniesta. Mm, okay. 
I'm thinking about one or two Spanish cyclists um, from the past. If yeah, I may. yeah. Um, but the real drama this week was surrounded Seville, um, who that that fantastic and famous victory over Manchester United in the Champions League is their only victory in three three months, and yeah. inevitably. Vincenzo Montella has been sacked again. Which you've been predicting for... Uh, well. It just didn't seem right, did it? it just, I just couldn't work out anything why that Vincenzo Montella appointment was made by Sevilla. You know, they sacked Eduardo Barrizzo during the Champions League campaign. They brought in Montella. Now they did get the win at Manchester United. No win since that in nine. It was their only win in 11. They had just completely fallen apart, beaten by Levante on Friday night. And the club said... We've got to make a change, and the club are making wholesale changes. They I mean, the, the, the sporting director who had the most difficult job in world football, following Munchie in there, yeah, he's gone as well. It's the Fergie of sporting director jobs to try and place Oscar Arias has gone as well. They've completely gutted that, and they're going to review it in the summer. Former Sevilla, Sevilla boss uh, Joaquin Caparas, who got the club up in 2001, takes over um, for the remaining games of the season because it looks like they probably won't, they might not qualify for Europe as well. So, um, a lot of soul searching is severe at the moment. A club that have been lauded for many aspects of the way that clubs run. And the other story, I guess, is that Real Madrid won two one against Leganes, but it was really Real Madrid's ghost eleven, wasn't it? No, yeah, but it's the reserve. So you play Gareth Bale, you mm-hmm. play Karim Benzema, and you win. Gareth Bale did score early on. His goal scoring rate has been absolutely fantastic since. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The turn of the year, Borja Mayoral got what was a controversial equaliser, but it was all about Real Madrid resting the star players for the for the week. The, the, the bad news ahead of the Champions League semi-final was that Carvajal and Isco are out of the uh, the second leg against Bayern. And Zidane, after the game, you know, asked about oh. Benzema and Bale playing. Says they'll stay. They'll stay in the summer. They're not. They're not going anywhere. I, well, I don't believe that. Yeah, but those are those are quite significant blows. Those two injuries you just mentioned. Massive, there. absolutely. Massive. Yep. Um, and who is your star of the week in Spain? It's Mikel San Jose, 
So in the Basque derby between Sociedad and Athletic Bilbao, he managed to score two own goals in a 3-1 win for Sociedad, formerly of Liverpool, Mikel San Jose. And a, a, you know, a great result for Sociedad, who recently sacked their man- manager Eusebio Sa- uh, Sacristan. Um, and worth noting that in the January transfer window, after City paid all that money for Laporte, they spent a load of money on bringing in Inigo Martinez from Sociedad to Bilbao. He was in the centre of defence and couldn't stop a defeat against his former club. So all the more sweet for Sociedad. Let me just give the latest from those games that are being played tonight. PSG nil, Gongamp 1, Deportivo 1, Barcelona 2. Barcelona would be champions if that result holds. And it's still nil nil in the game between Torino and Lazio at the uh, Stadio Olimpico in Turin. Uh, this is um, Trans-Europe Express with Danny Kelly and Rob Daly. We're back very, very soon to talk about Roma and Liverpool and Italy and England. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on Talk Sport. Yeah, welcome back to the second and final hour of tonight's edition of Trans Europe Express with me, Danny Kelly. Rob Daly, as you've been hearing, my favourite co-host, is also very much in the house. We've got a special guest coming up for you now. We'll talk for the next half an hour about what might happen in Rome in the quarter, in the semi-final of the Champions League second leg between Roma and Liverpool. We'll talk about the history of the fiction. I'll tell you who's going to do that in just a second here in a, in a, on the, on the programme. Simon Calder will join us for his latest of his travel reports about stadiums and cities you might visit if you choose to go to the Soviet Union for the upcoming World Cup every game live here on Talk Sport. We still need to get the late from France, Portugal, Holland, Switzerland, Greece and Russia. And I want to preview as well before the end of that Thursday's game in the Europa League semi-final um, where Arsenal have got a real problem when they go to Madrid to take on Atletico. That game as well as the two other quarterfinals and the semi-finals in the Champions League are live here on Talk Sport and you're listening to Trans Europe Express. Well, there's been another goal in the game between Deportivo La Coruña and Barcelona. If Barcelona win their champions of Spain, they were 2-0 up. Rob Daly? It's 2-2. Lucas Perez got the equaliser. Arsenal's very own. I think Emre Cholak might have got the goal that's made it 2-2 for Deportivo. Clarence Seydorf is on the touchline, clapping his hands. He's absolutely delighted. He's really struggled with Deportivo since taking charge. They're of going ball. down, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, a ball into the right-hand channel. They get in behind Samuel and Titi. And then it's on the right-hand side of the box. They work it into the middle, surely, eventually. Yeah, a low cross, completely unmarked. Oh, it's actually a lovely little layoff to the edge of the six-yard box to tuck in. Lovely goal, great spirit from Deportivo. And, um, you know, we saw Andres Iniesta warming up a few moments ago. I wonder if he's well, going to perhaps a ceremon- ceremonial appearance might not be on the cards now because yep. they need to win this yep. game, Barcelona, to put this thing absolutely uh, to bed. I talked to you, I mean, the facts are these, that uh, for uh, an hour, after an hour at Anfield, Liverpool were in the final of the Champions League. Uh, they're still very much a favourite, so to do. But there is a little bit now on the game after that 5-2 victory for Liverpool. To talk about that game, and the, re- the return in Rome, live here on Talk Sport. Um, and everything that's gone on between these two clubs over a period of 30 or 40 years even. I'd like to say we're joined by Tony Evans, top journalist, top writer. His most recent book is called Two Tribes. 
Um, and of course, very much part of the furniture, if you don't mind me saying that here on Talk Sport. Good evening, Tony. <laughs> well, I'm built like a couch. <laughs> <laughs> very attractive Chesterfield. Yeah, very good indeed. Um, let me, let me, as the non, I'm the non Liverpool fan in this room, let me just say that I thought Liverpool were magnificent the other night. I mean, it's not an original thought. I, the dynamism of their football was something to behold. And anybody who's ever said I like football could not have helped themselves to say, watch this team swing. In musical terms, they swing at the moment, Liverpool, when they're going forward. And it was amazing to see. And I sometimes think that the praise of Mo Salah is massively overdone. He's fantastic. But Firmino was uh, was amazing. I think Mane's a great player. What a, what a performance by their midfielders. Gush, 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 gush. And now I've got to ask you the obvious question. I'll start with you, Rob Dirty. When the second of uh, Roma's goals went in, what did yeah. you feel? A little bit sick. I, th- I think the the reason is not necessarily because I think Roma will do what they did twice, like they did against Barcelona in the last round, but you're in the final, Damn. and then you're not in the final. And you've actually had that ripped away, because 5-0, you're in the final. And that, that, was the, that was the difference, I felt. And also, it was also needless, really. They had the game in complete control to, to concede those two Tony, goals. Tony, you, you've watched more games than Rob, I think it's fair to say. Can you give him any comfort here? <laughs> Well, not really, because, I mean, Liverpool live on the edge of this emotional chasm, and it doesn't take much to knock them into it. You know, it's uh, the panic sets in pretty quickly. They've got better defensively over the last um, the last few months since Christmas, yeah. but there's still a bit of uncertainty there. Uh, I think it'll be something that's addressed next year and it'll get better. But, yeah, I mean, because being at uh, the Etihad for the previous round, you know, with the 3-0 lead to City, and then they conceded in the first minute, and it was just... They were ragged. They were so ragged for the entire first half. And, um, but they did hold on. So hopefully that experience will stand them in good stead. I mean, let's talk a bit about positives. Um, it must have been, oh, I suppose this is a word that you, you, you can't help but just be proud of this Liverpool team when they start playing the way they can. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the movement, the pace, the front three especially are just stunning. They, uh, you know, they, they, they just tear people apart and you can see the confusion and one thing Roma were terrified of crossing the halfway line leaving any space behind them so they didn't play the natural game I mean once Salah went off they got a bit bolder and then they, they, they got forwards but when you can see the fear on good teams faces you think something good's going on here I should make the point that um, Milinkovic Savic one of the hottest players in Europe just now has given Lazio the lead in Turin it's uh, Torino nil, Lazio 1 a header by the aforementioned Milinkovic uh, Savic um, and Rob Daly. I mean, people go on about uh, about the you know the young players, uh, Trent Alexander, etc., yeah. and what they did. Where's this young youngster Milner come from? I mean, I, I mean, Jurgen Klopp, I think, has to take so much of the credit for the the level of improvement in James Milner. If I think back to the first the Spurs away game at Water Lane when Klopp first came in, and they all ran an extra two kilometers or whatever it was, something stupid. I think he has, and I, th- I think retiring from international football has helped Milner as well. You know, he's a guy who's lived a near, in terms of looking after his body and everything, never drank. He's in perfect condition. I mean, if I'm Gareth Southgate, I'm thinking I'm giving I, him a but call. But I, I know that James Milner can run and stuff, but nine assists in one Champions League yeah, season. I mean, the group stage was a bit of an anomaly, wasn't it? But I mean, you still, still got to pass the ball. You do, you do, you do, you're true. <laughs> See, I've, I've got to disagree a little bit with Rob here because it's, um, you know, Milner, he shunted him at left-back, played him at left-back for more than a season. Then in the summer, tried to offer him rounds on loan to everyone. They wouldn't pay his wages. And all of a sudden, he's realised he's a midfielder. 
whoa, how do you work that one out, Rockford? It's, uh, you know, he's always <laughs> been a midfielder and he should have been playing in this position throughout the his time there. I think, um, I think this is one area where you're going to try to be a bit too clever. Um, we'll talk about the, about the, uh, the, the, the second leg um, it, it, when we've had a little break. First, and let's talk to me then about uh, who Liverpool prefer to play in the final because I guess it isn't Real Madrid. No, it's Bayern. It's definitely Bayern. I mean, you see Bayern more than myself and Tony, I guess. Yeah, uh, I don't. They, they, I think they would have their nervy spells, much like Roma have had, much like City have had this season. Certainly against the direct pace, they don't face it in the Bundesliga. They don't face anything like what that Liverpool front three does. And you know, Real Madrid weren't spectacular the other night. They were just relatively efficient. I think Zidane deserves a lot of credit for his tactical prowess. I think something underrated, actually, despite the fact he's won two European Cups already. And I think, um, you know, Liverpool, I think Bayern would be much preferred. And Jurgen Klopp knows that team, those players very well. Granted, he's lost a few cup finals to Bayern, including the 2013 Champions League final. But absolutely preferred. But I think Real Madrid will be, Real Madrid will be in Kiev. You're a Bundesliga man. Um, when Bayern Munich start, um, you know, they've, they've ended up with Nico Kovac. And one of the things they said was, we want somebody who knows the league and we want somebody who speaks German. Are they grinding their teeth that somehow Jurgen Klopp is not a Bayern Munich right now? Oh, they'd, they'd take him in a second if he was... A, I mean, they just know they can't get him. Yeah, no, don't get him from Liverpool. No, I get that. But they could have got him at other times in the past three or four years. I think it would have been difficult. When he was at Dortmund, you're not getting him at Bayern. There was no way he was going to make that move. And he, you know... Well, he, well like Hummels was never going to make well, that move. Hummels is, ex, Hummels is ex-Bayern. Mario Goetze was a kid seduced by the idea of playing with, for Guardiola and Lewandowski had no horse in the race. I, I, th- I don't think it's impossible that Klopp ends up as Bayern coach one day. I think that could still happen. But I, there just wasn't enough of a window for Bayern to, to get him. And don't get that. If, if he was around this summer, he would have been. They would have taken him in a in a heartbeat. Yeah, but what he's doing at Liverpool at the moment, whatever happens in the next um, three or four weeks in the Champions League, uh, he may be out of their reach for years and years to come. I know you two probably hope hope that very very much. Indeed. Tony, who would you prefer? If uh, Let us allow you the fantasy of Liverpool getting to the final. Who would you prefer to play? I think I think Bayern. I mean, I'll defer to Rob's knowledge on this yeah. because he sees them much more than me. But, you know, I mean, if it's Israel, I've seen us beat them in a European Cup final before. So, you know, I mean. <laughs> Which one remind me? Remind uh, me 1981. Uh, Alan Kennedy in the Parc oh, de Prince. Of course, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think now. Ball comes across and he's... Well, for a fullback in those days, very far advanced, isn't he? Left foot, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's coming to my mind now. Yeah, absolutely. How many of their of Liverpool's five triumphs can you actually remember? Oh, um, I, well, I can remember them all. The only one I didn't go to was 1977 because I was doing a commerce O level, and my mother wouldn't let me go. Instead, she went and took me younger brother. Is that true? Uh, I, yeah, I have never. <laughs> that woman's ever, a traitor. I have never forgiven her. <laughs> I hope she's listening now. You're a bad mother. Yeah, she is. That is poor parenting. Yeah, no, let's have it right, Rob. That is no, the, no, incidentally, I'm, that no. Was the, that was the, your your, your scream laugh. We haven't heard know, since I'm his sorry, name I are a kid. I can't let that. I shouldn't let that one out. That just caught me out. Now totally. our producer, sorry, of course, that. who is Marty. That is the correct word, I think, for for him. Partially because he's given up the fact. Good for him. Um, but he's making. He's him, cranky today. Oh, I mean, he's, 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 he's. I'm not liking he, it. He's like a toddler who's not had his juice, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. um, he says Madrid have knocked out PSG, Juventus, and beat Bayern away. They've also had Dortmund and Spurs in their group. Liverpool had Maribor, CSKA, Porto in the round of 16. They beat no one except Manchester City. He's grudgingly allowed Manchester City. But it's cup football. That doesn't matter what I owe to. It's how you get to the final, mate. You get to the final and you win the thing, don't you? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing which worries me about Real is they've been there and done it before, and they've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Whoever you think about him is one of the greatest single-game players ever. You know, that's um, where it, where it rank him among the highest. And he's just he's got that mental toughness that perhaps Liverpool don't quite have. So that would be a concern. But you know what? Again, the pace of those front three... I think they caused the Real defence yeah. some problems. Great players though they are, Cruz and Modric. If if that Liverpool midfield starts to tick the way it has done in some of these big games, uh, you know, even the the best players can be left chasing shadows. It should be a, it's a fantastic prospect. And next up here on Trans Europe Express, we'll talk about um, some of the darker things that have gone on. Um, obviously, there was a, a, a fan. Not that I was going to say injured. It wasn't injured. He was attacked um, before the game. And Tony knows the background to the history between these two clubs. And it goes back way into the last century. And we'll talk about what might happen. Hopefully, there'll be no problems at all. But why these things tend to happen. I'll give my own experience of watching football in Rome. Beautiful city. Fantastic grub. The Vatican's nice to look at as well. So is the Colosseum. Watching football in Rome, not quite the picnic you might think it is. You're listening to Tony Evans, Rob Daly and me, Danny Kelly here. I've got my own name there. Uh, Danny Kelly here on Trans Europe Express. Oh, the streets of Rome are filled with rubble. Ancient footprints are everywhere. The more astute among you will have noticed what we did there. Songs about tears. So this is Tears of Rage by Bob Dylan and the band. And it starts with that line, The streets of Rome are paved with rubble. And it's about rubble and trouble and Rome that we're going to be talking for the next 15 minutes with Tony Evans. If you've got musical requests, songs about tears and crying, 81089. And tweet me at Danny Kelly Worst. Of course, this is not Tears of Rage, but I paint my masterpiece. Danny, you've had a brain freeze there. Now listen, The Breakfast Show comes live from Rome this weekend on Wednesday and Thursday morning. It's Alan Brazil and Dean Saunders from six, both days. Remember both the Champions League semi-finals and the Europa League semi-finals between Atletico and Arsenal, all live here on Talk Sports. Tony Evans, um, obviously there was an incident before the game um, on Merseyside, we saw a man stabbed, so there's been two arrests, there'll be charges and all the rest of it. Um, and it is easy to put that down as one of those things that happens um, when lots of people gather for a big emotional event like a football match. Of course, it shouldn't happen. Um, but there's more to this. And the return in Rome, first let me say that I absolutely hope it goes off without a hitch, without incident, and it's just a great football match. But there is a shadow hanging over this, isn't there? Well, there's a few. I mean, the relationship with Liverpool and Roma goes back to 1984 when we played the European Cup final in Rome. So essentially they played it at home and the whole city was just bedecked with European Cups and they thought they, they thought it was a coronation rather than a match. They thought they were going to win. And from the moment we arrived there, it was hostile. 
I mean, they, they took us around the room, ring roads and in coaches. And there was like those Fiat, you know, with the soft tops that come mm-hmm. back. And they come up alongside someone to pop out, throw a bottle or a brick, fire a flare. And we were under attack all day. Loads of stabbings and slashings in the city. And then when we won on penalties... It, Bruce it seemed, Groblar's famous spaghetti legs, exactly. all of that, yeah. It, it seemed like the place erupted. Um, as we were coming out, you have to come out and walk uphill at the Cavernard, um to, to get to the main road. And they'd all go on the top of there and they'd um, fill the big bins, you know, big metal bins. They were full of rubbish. They'd set them on fire, roll them down the hill at us. And then they charged uh, lots of people. My mate's dad nearly died. He was stabbed in the liver and the lungs. And um, and the, the, there, was, there was scores of people got stabbed. It was Roman's frenzy that night. It was just insane. I should, I should make the point that I don't know whether it's still the same now, but the, lo- the, the laws in Italy, and this is why this stabbing thing is so disturbing, the laws in Italy, uh, maybe it's only in Rome, certainly in the past, they said that if, it were, if you stab someone below the waist, then it's not attempted murder. You just get done for common assault. So that's why there's all this tr- tremendous tradition, if that's the right word, and it's not the right word, of stabbing people in the buttocks, in the ass, and they the have, legs. They actually have a name for it. It's called punchicarte, and they consider it to be a Roman tradition. And it's, um, uh, the chief of police in 2008 said, oh, you know, it's just getting the first blow in. And they claim that it's, uh, it's come from uh, medieval sword fighting, and we get your opponents. Well, you know, you've both got swords yeah. then. They've elevated stabbing people in the backside into a cultural symbol. Rome is the only place where visiting football fans are routinely targeted and routinely stabbed. Okay, and I, I can add to this one personal, Rob, if I'm from personal knowledge. In 1997, I was working for Channel 4, and um, I went to the, the famous nil-nil draw in Rome um, between uh, England and Italy that qualified Den Hoddle's England team, ints and the blood and all the rest of it, in right in the post in the last minute. Fantastic performance by England. Who remembers that? A fantastic defensive performance by an England team. Now, I grew up in the 70s, right? So I have seen football violence. I have never been in a more violent football ground in my life. Rob, just tell us very quickly what's happened there. Barcelona have scored again, Andres Iniesta not on the pitch, but it means if it stays like this, Deportivo will be relegated. But more importantly, Barcelona will be champions. And unsurprisingly, it's Lionel Messi who's got his second goal of the night to make it 3-2. They're still unbeaten in La Liga. And uh, Messi's got it hugging Luis Suarez right now. They're on for another league title. Now, I've got to make my point that, of course, at that time, England's fans had a terrible reputation everywhere they went. And towns and cities everywhere set up for this stuff. Um, but Italy, uh, you know, Rome is a capital city. It has plenty of policemen and all the rest of it. And when I got to the Stadio Olimpico, um, it was a seething cauldron of violence. And in my eyesight, and this is only my eyewitness account of it, it wasn't necessarily started by Italian fans, people from Rome, or even English fans. I think the first and foremost uh, uh, instigators were the Roman police. They were stood in that paramilitary gear they wear with those big batons, tapping the sides of their knee-high boots, um, it wasn't hard to remember this used to be a fascist state. Let's be honest. I'm not having to go to Italy. I love the country, but I can only tell you what I saw with my own eyes. They waded into the England fans again and again and again. England fans in those days not taking that kind of thing. They then fought back. Italian fans then got involved. And on three sides of the stadium, um, it was just almost... Uh, there was no football going on the same. It was just this rowing. Um, uh, Jim Smith, the former Derby Queen's Park Rangers manager, was there in the ground about four rows in front of me. Um, with his wife, and I remember after half an hour, he got up and he turned back to to speak to no one generally and just said, you can't stay in this. I can't stay in this. Like My family can't stay in this. 
and Jim disappeared. I mean, Jim Jim was a pretty tough cookie. You know, he used to deal with Fergie. Let's be honest about this. Um, so there is something desperate about this. But it's 35 years ago. Surely the memories have died away. I know, but these things are cultural, aren't they? It doesn't... I suppose it's, it's probably... It's not the same people who were there in the 80s attacking but you guys. But you were guys, speaking to, Liverpool, to Gary Gillespie, the ex-Liverpool yeah, player, about he, this he says He says he knew at the time, and he was on the bench for, for that final... I was interviewed in this week, and he is well aware of the hurt at the time that that caused to Roma and in the preceding years and even still even still now ahead of this semi-final. Well, I think one of the things that tells you about it is the captain of Roma that night was uh, De Bartolome, and he was like the symbol of the Kervasud, the ultras. He'd come through the youth system. He was a local boy. He was supposed to be a case, carried a gun in his man bag. They had man bags in Italy in those days before we had them. Yep. And um, But on the 10th anniversary of the cup final, he shot himself in the chest. Now, he had, he had uh, depression issues. He had money problems. Sure. But he's got 365 days to choose from. You shoot yourself on the 10th anniversary. I think that said how deeply burned it is into the Roma psyche. It was the biggest day in their history. Although you must, that's an individual mental health issue. Let's be honest, Tony. You know, the, you don't do that unless you're, you're, you're off the end of the scale somewhere, do you? Well, yeah, but I mean, it, it's one of those things that, you know, stared into this cocktail of. Yes, it is. Oh, it's know. absolutely an ingredient now. It is. Um, uh, to highlight, like, just to highlight the lengths to which Roma, that 1984 triumph, how much they, they wanted that and how much they saw it as fate or something along those lines. They, you know, it's transpired since that they did bribe the referee. They got money to the referee in the semi-finals for the Dundee United tie, which, you know, obviously the Dundee United players, having heard this confirmed, having suspected this kind of thing before, feel aggrieved that they don't have at least a final message, a runners a trick for Barcelona. Um, that takes uh, yep, uh, so two goals in three minutes for Lionel Messi. means it's now Deportivo La Coruña 2. They're going down. Barcelona um, 4. They're going to be the champions of Spain in about six minutes' time. And I wonder if they, the next board you're going to see is going to bring Andres Iniesta onto the pitch. I imagine that it will. Look, we're being very, very gloomy about this. The world has changed. We're all, uh, we're all friends now, apparently. Um, Jurgen Klopp has come out and said that he hopes that the Liverpool fans will behave themselves. I mean, that's, that, that's a given. Um, what, 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 do you, what have you thought about it over the years and over the recent days, Tony? Well, I mean, my view is that if you're in Rome, keep your head down. Don't walk around with Liverpool shirts on. Walk around in reasonably large groups. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't cause trouble. And make sure you get a cab up to the ground. Um, I think that, that just try and be safe because I suspect... Uh, Liverpool fans will be targeted. Would you? I saw the club saying today that everyone should submit their their details and arrangements to pass on the authorities. Do you think that all fans who are going? Because I think they're saying like five thousand are going should do that anyway. Well, yeah, I think I think they should. What's interesting is the press are doing exactly what they did in 1984, the Italian press. In 1984, they said the barbarians were coming, and we've seen similar he- headlines. One of the There was a report out saying that they'd said there were 5,000 Liverpool coming and, uh, and a 1,000 of them might be troublemakers. Really? The way the fan base is now? Mm-hmm. I'd be lucky if they had half a dozen troublemakers. Well, unlucky if they had half a dozen. Uh, well, that's part of it. I mean, don't believe me, I, I'm not making a point here. I'm just saying that's part of the trouble, isn't it? with the way football is covered now. Half a dozen people throwing things at the Manchester City uh, coach is now represented as Liverpool fans. It's not Liverpool fans, it's some morons. Um, but what the danger in Rome, because of this knife culture that we talked about, is that the morons 
might kill somebody. Yeah. Um, I really pray to God that no such thing happens. Um, but I'm glad that you came in and told us what's the background to all of this, because otherwise it might just seem to people of a younger generation, including Rob Daly, just bizarre with what's were the, the the kind of tension that's been in the build-up when the Liverpool manager is taking four days away from the event is talking about the behaviour yeah. of supporters. Tony, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very, very much for coming in and joining us. Um, and thank you very much for telling us about that. That game is live here on TalkSport. Let me give you the rundown. Tuesday, live, Real Madrid against Bayern Munich. Wednesday, that game live, Roma against Liverpool. That should see Liverpool, hopefully for you two, into the final of the Champions League. And on Thursday, Atletico Madrid against Arsenal is always live. Iniesta has been clapped on by the entire stadium there um, at Depor as he makes his uh, one of his last appearances for Barcelona. They're 4-2 up and about to win the title in Spain. And unimportant but still worthy of note is that Paris Saint-Germain are now two goals to nil down at home to Gingamp. And whoever's going to replace Unai Emery, who announced his departure um, uh, this, this week, they can't really arrive quickly enough for Paris. You're listening to Trans-Europe Express with Rob Daly and me, Danny Kelly. Once again, thanks to Tony Evans. <laughs> For the last few seconds in Deportivo, um, Barcelona are about to be Spanish champions. Andreas Iniesta has the ball at his feet, and it was his tears and those of his teammates during a press conference this week uh, that made us make Tears and Crying our musical theme for the evening. This, of course, is ABC, and Tears Are Not Enough. Brought forward a lovely memory for me uh, many, many years ago in this very studio. Um, I used to do a Friday evening show and I used to invite in, it's it's what, 10 o'clock at night, um, old bands to come and do a few numbers. And Martin Fry and friends came in and did this song uh, acoustically in this very studio. Poor old French League, because of the goings on in Turkey, crying kids in the crowd at uh, at Deportivo, not crying at Iniesta. I think they're crying at their relegation. Barcelona winners by four goals to two. They're champions of Spain. Deportivo are down. Edison Cavani has pulled one back after 75 minutes for Paris Saint-Germain. It's Paris, Van, Paris Saint-Germain one, Gongang two. Uh, it's still Lazio winning uh, in Turin and in into added on time there by a goal uh, to nil. Um, we had to miss out on France because of the older goings on in Turkey. And I suppose we should start with the big news there is the is also always it's surrounding Paris Saint-Germain and the the confirmation of the departure of Rob Daly of uh, Unai Emery. Yeah, he said this week that uh, his stay in Paris is over um, and it was inevitable. We all knew that he was going to leave because of what happened in the Champions League. That's how, uh, he, you know, he, he wants to be remembered fondly, but the legacy will be, despite the fact he might win you know, a host of trophies this season, they've already won the league, uh, the French Cup final to come. That the the collapse of Barcelona, the no show in the second leg against Real Madrid, this is what defines Paris Saint Germain now. It's Champions League stage, and it's no surprise he's been linked with the return uh, to to Spain and to Sociedad, a club where he was a player and he sported as a boy, maybe to take over as head coach in the summer. So, uh, the Emery uh, era, unsurprisingly, uh, coming to an end. Of course, it will be remembered for the fact that the club went out and spent a world record fee, an absolute king's ransom. On Neymar, I can't help feeling that this was one of the most more destabilising than good for the club. I have to say, it just it struck well, he did, me. He, he did still score tw- uh, twenty goals in nineteen goals in twenty league games or something like that. And um, but you know, he's not been back to 
France since he's had surgery. He's been staying in Brazil, just trying to... His focus is on, on the World Cup. And an ultra group actually came out and released a statement saying that, you know, they found it disrespectful that he hasn't been back to France, that he hasn't been watching his team mm. play week in, week out like most injured players well, do. It's leading to a, a wider question now that everybody has on their lips in France. Is Neymar a git? <laughs> Uh, I forgot you. Doing that. Rob Daly's laugh, uh, which now infamous um, internet meme and all the rest of it. <laughs> um, but it, it is a bit odd. I mean, unless he's getting the greatest treatment the world's ever known in Brazil, it's a bit odd that he stayed there. He can almost, he can almost do what he wants, really. Yeah. And, and Paris Saint-Germain, what are they? What are they going to do? I will sell you. Well, you know, you it, know it, what that... kind of manager Thomas Tuchel is. He's not going to stand for this sort of nonsense. Yeah. Well, he? this is going to be. I mean, this is going to be fascinating. If, if if Thomas Tuchel's the guy, as it's widely reported. Yeah, the, the, part of the issue with the Paris Saint-Germain's market of managers they go in for, they can't get the top, top guys like your Guardiola, Mourinho. They've tried and tried and it's not happened. They have to go for the bracket below and hope that they get the guy who breaks them into that group that's won the Champions League. They've tried it with Blanc. They've tried it with uh, Emery. They had Ancelotti, but he left, of course, for Real Madrid at the time. So they're, they're having a punt on Thomas Tuchel, who doesn't actually have much silverware to his name. Won a, won a DFB Cup with Dortmund. Um, we'll wait and see. But what you're absolutely right. Them. Talk of him uh, taking some sort of um, sporting director-ish kind of role. They'd call it a manager, really, in France. But um, I, I firmly believe, you know, Wenger said he'll take a month at the end of the season to work out what he wants to do. I think he still wants to coach. I don't think... When it, when his whole thing is about the art of football and being involved in that, does he really want to watch someone else's art and try and chip in? I don't I don't think so. Just behind Paris Saint-Germain, who are still losing, by the way, uh, Leon have now climbed above Monaco with a 2-1 victory over Nantes. And Claudio Ranieri, ever ever, ever eccentric, I suppose it's fair to say. Yeah, so he was he missed um, the club's 75th uh, anniversary because he, he, uh, he, had to go fix a, <laughs> he had to go fix a leak at his apartment in London. And then he popped up at a load of games in England, uh, which led to people saying that he was you know, potentially touting himself out for a job in England. The same happened when he went to Italy. Everyone was saying he's trying to get the Italy job. He said uh, there was just a problem with the plumbing. Plumbing, so good old Claudio. I hope he got it sorted. Yeah. And if he's, you know, if, if he wants to rent it out, he wouldn't have this problem. I'm sure it's a nice place. If he wants to do a little mates rate for me, okay, I'm in. Good. Portugal. In. Um, suddenly, boom! Three-way race for the title. Well, the main result this weekend really is that Benfica lost at home to Tondela by three goals to two. A complete shock, and it has completely blown things open for me. I mean, say Benfica had. Had won that, they'd be in a you know a fantastic position to contest with Porto. But Porto have won um, Maritimo, a place where they've had troubles down the years. They haven't had many favourable results there. So it looks like Benfica's stronghold on the Portuguese title is is coming to an end. And um, with that result, Sporting, you know, can still mathematically challenge. But it looks like after this weekend's results. Um, it is going to be um, Porto's year. I should say the final whistle has gone in Turin. Lazio have won by one goal to nil. Very, very close now to Champions League qualification uh, for Lazio, putting terrible pressure indeed uh, on Inter Milan further down. I should say that Paris Saint-Germain have equalised a second goal for the uh, incredibly productive Edison Cavani. Uh, PSG 2, Gongam 2 in that game. And it's finished, as we've told you, in Depor, Deportivo 2 and relegated Barcelona 4 and Champions uh, Holland, there was a derby in Feyenoord, um, in, sorry, in Rotterdam. Feyenoord won 3-1 against Sparta. But the big story is the relegation of FC Twente. Yeah, relegated, um, you know, eight years on from the famous success under Steve McLaren where they shot Dutch football to win the leagues, pipping the likes of Ajax and PSV and Feyenoord at the time. 
um, uh, to the title. They they were um, spared relegation a couple of years ago due to an issue over financial irregularities that were cleared up, but it had been coming for a long time. And, you know, you think back, Fenter, they were in the same Champions League group as Tottenham, I want to say, uh, when they after they, they won the league title. An extraordinary story and, you know, not the first team that have won a league title in recent times to drop down to a second tier. Yep, I mean, and I think just as big a shock, but it's been more on the cards for several weeks now, um, is that uh, Basel, perennial champions of, of Switzerland, yeah. are no more Switzerland champions. Young boys burn are the champions. They were last champions back in 1986. Wow. Runners up eight times since then, including the last three years to Basel, who've had a complete uh, monopoly over the Swiss Super League. Uh, a 2-1 win over Lausanne secured the title. Um, Lausanne even missed an, an 89th minute penalty and uh, there was a brilliant uh, pitch invasion at the end so young boys are the champions of Switzerland so while we've had the major leagues it's normally the same teams winning and again again a bit mixed, bit of a mix up in the tier below if you like um, I dare I, I, I step back as I ask you this question what's the latest from Greece? Oh, okay let's start <laughs> with let's start with the champions Ike Athens were confirmed champions this week um, it's after Pauk lost an appeal over a points deduction which came, and me and you were on air at the time, when the president yeah. of Pout came on the pitch with a gun and a holster in his po- on his side. How could they appeal that? How could they, <laughs> the temerity, the gall, yeah. the brass balls to appeal. <laughs> he had a gun. Well, they got a, they got, um, they got a, 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 a fine as well um, for all of this. So look, done the dusty Dyke Athens. You know, it's been a, a league dominated by Olympiakos as well, so that's mixing it up. That's not the only thing in Greece. Yep. Panathinaikos banned from Europe for three years uh, because they haven't paid back their debts. UEFA gave them the time, um, but they said until March you have to set your debts by March. They didn't do it. So a three-year ban from European competition. They were in the Europa League qualifiers this year. €100,000 fine as well. Um, and, of course, uh, played Liverpool in the 1985 European Cup as well. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, is there anything to be said much about the uh, about Belgium in, in, their, in their ever-rotating leagues? Well, Club Bruges are running away with the title, plain and simple. Um, and, you know, they have probably been the, the strongest of the Portuguese sides in, in recent years. And that just looks like it's going to happen. It, it, we've got that divided up league by this stage now. So And Russia? Zenit Nil, Siska Nil today. Igor Akinfeyev playing a blinder, um, the Russian number one goalkeeper for the Moscow side. But it looks like Lokomotiv, who play tomorrow against Krasnodar, um, are, are going to win the title after having not won it for a very long time. Okay, listen, thank you very, very much indeed. That's a very quick spin that through, was rapid all, fire, wasn't through it? That all was, the other that leagues. Madness. Let me just tell you, you've still got about 10 minutes to vote in our poll. Who is currently the best manager out of work? Uh, 58% and leading by a mile at the moment, uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, watching him from a huge distance away, Luis Enrique with 18%. And now level, neck and neck, Thomas Tuchel, the aforementioned Thomas Tuchel and Chris Coleman both with 12% of the vote. Now, you've got about 10 minutes to vote in that. Three places you can do that on Twitter, at TalkSport, at Rob T. Daly, and at Danny Kelly Words. Let's see if we can get Chris Coleman ahead of Thomas Tuchel. I've cheated this week. I've had two choices. I couldn't do a song about a week about tears and crying without this. 
from the golden age when American kids just bought guitars and stand in garages, turned them up to 11. This is Question Mark and the, and the Mysterians and 96 Tears. Watch out now. Covered just towards the dawn of punk rock by Eddie and the Hot Rods here in this country, but this is the original and best version. Way down here, and you'll start crying. How many? 96 tears. Very specific. 96 tears are going to fall. Thank you for all your musical homework tonight. It's been really good of you. Rob, we talked so much about the Champions League in this hour. I think uh, there's a small matter of the Europa League still uh, to talk about. Uh, Marseille are 2-0 up from the first day against Salzburg. Might have a word about their middle later. Um, but I think you were working um, when the Arsenal game against Atletico Madrid was going on. You saw on Twitter the, the storm of um, mm. complaints about Arsenal. And you thought they got beat 3-0. Yeah, I just went on Twitter and it was like a complete catastrophe. And uh, <laughs> the score was 1 1. I thought, you don't want to, you know, if anyone's going to beat you 1 0 at home, it's Atletico. But uh, not a bad result. But then I saw the highlights back. Yeah. And I think I understand. Because it was such an. Uh, I, I don't want to say this because, you know, every game is different. And all, but it, it was a repetition of what Arsenal fans have got fed up of seeing over the years. Very good performance by Arsenal in many, many ways, albeit against a depleted Atletico Madrid down to 10 men quite early in the game. Yeah. Um, and of course, with Diego Simeone doing his mad war dance up in the stand rather than at the side of the pitch, um, and then unravelled by a piece of poor defending. And there's no, there's no other way of describing it. No, you can't really understand what happens there with Lauren Cassioni, especially against a player that he knows every single attribute of in Antoine Griezmann, who you know he ne- knows he's got to a stay on his feet and b take him right. Now Griezmann is good enough to beat you, come back inside yeah. and slap it in his left foot. But he does neither of those things. He decides to just directly race him and then throw himself to the ground. Yeah. I feel sorry for Lauren Koscielny. I think he's been a fantastic player for Arsenal over the past half a dozen years. And whatever that last injury was, something he's not quite... Maybe, maybe it will change in the World Cup, but he's not quite the player he was before he had his last serious injury. And, you know, the top, top level forwards he's going to be battling against. He's had his ding-dongs with, you know... Uh, Diego Costa over the years as well. I loved that, by the way, that clip that was doing the rounds on Twitter when there was a sense of like some oh, so, beef so, so, on the pitch and he shot up like a dog. It's the Danny Dyer of football, isn't it? It's <laughs> kicking off there. I'm going to have a go at that. So says Diego Costa goes, oh, it's all kicking off now. I'll have a go at that. Do you think they can get something there? Do you think they can Absolutely. score there? Arsenal's teams over the years, away from home in Europe, and I mean, of course, they've had better teams than the one they've got now. Um, they, 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 they get involved in a footballing match with people. And we've seen them. Um, get the goal and then I'd say Old Trafford their reserves defended perfectly adequately you know it's just that when they get yeah. to these mad places now look if you ask me what's going to happen you, know, you, you, you can say I suspect that Atletico Madrid will get a goal in the first half and then quietly play the game out if you ask me what could happen of course Arsenal can score I mean then look, what, what is everyone know about this Arsenal team it is more likely um, to get a goal uh because of their forward players, and it is to defend their goal properly because of the, the way the team acts defensively. So they've got to believe it themselves, and I think they can. It's, of course, an, a desperate task. If they'd won 1-0, if Koscielny hadn't fell over and all the rest of it, and Mustafi also fell over in the same movement, um, then you've got a, a better... You know, the story is much more difficult for 
for Atletico because Atletico, let's be honest, we, we, we revere them because they keep getting Champions League finals and the rest of it. They don't get lots of goals. They don't no, need they to don't. get lots of goals. But they don't get lots of goals. So if Arsenal score, suddenly Atletico are looking for two goals. And I then, mean, Leicester made things uncomfortable for them, if I think back, especially to the second leg of their Champions League tie against Atletico last season. Atletico were very, very fortunate, actually, not to get themselves into into real trouble when the the two sides met in England. You're the, you're the, you're the expert. Do you think Arsenal will get anything... Um, no, I, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll go through to the final. I think. I think, you know, the ultimate one 0 at home side, ironically against Arsenal, is Atletico. I mean, they've done it time and time again. The giants have fallen to them domestically and in the Champions League in recent years. They've reached two finals. I think they're just going to be too shrewd. And look, they to give Arsenal fans a bit more context, they've wrapped up a top four spot, and the weekend they completely. You know, almost completely rested the first team as they managed to get a 1-0 win away at Alaves. Fernando Torres missed a penalty. The eventual winner coming from Kevin Gamera off the bench. Finished the game with 10 men. But, you know, they didn't even play Jan Oblak. They played Axel Werner, Argentine goalkeeper. Um, the likes of Godin didn't play. Um, I'm not the surprised entire, the shift entire... he put in during the week. Well, but... exactly. I mean, you know, the entire... Te- you know, and, and Griezmann, I don't think he even had to... He wasn't even on the bench in the end, so... They're going to be 100% champ for Arsenal. Arsenal will be you know, in good shape because they didn't really play and Mkhitaryan, of course. But It's finished in Paris 2-2 against, uh, between PSG and Gongang. Gongang, two up, two up there. Cavani got two late goals to put the Parisians uh, level. Um, let, well, but that's that's the game on Thursday. That's live here on TalkSport, of course. Atletico Madrid against Arsenal. Um, and that takes us to who they might play in the final. And Marseille, two up from that first leg against uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Payet two assists and a very a very Premier League effort it was. Payet got the two. Dimitri Payet got the two assists and Clinton and G and of course Tovan got yeah. the goals. Yeah, and Tovan scored this weekend in a one-one draw at Angers as well. But there was there was a few changes to the side that she started with Clinton and G rested Dimitri Payet completely. I think Marseille will see that through. I've been really impressed with Salzburg this season. Let's not forget this is a team that beat Borussia Dortmund away from home, but no away goal at Marseille. Pella makes some great saves and goal for Marseille on the night. I just can't see them do it. And, you know, Dimitri Payet, as producer Pat pointed out as well, it, the point that a World Cup's on the horizon. If yeah. he wants to make the squad, he has to start playing. I don't, I don't think he will. Deschamps is so, so spoiled for choices, isn't Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's more um, every week. But Rob, Payet's been outstanding. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much indeed for that. Thank you so much for the last uh, two hours. Thank you all for listening. Just several reminders for you. Tuesday, Real Madrid against Bayern Munich. Champions League semi-final, second leg, live here on TalkSport. Wednesday, Rome against Liverpool. Exactly the same. Semi-final, second leg, Champions League, live here on TalkSport. And Thursday, Atletico Madrid against Arsenal, live here on TalkSport in the semi-final of the Europa League. And don't forget the Sports Breakfast also comes to you live on th- Wednesday and Thursday from Rome um, at Alan Brazil. And I think Dean Saunders are out there together. So that's going on as well. Tomorrow night, I'll be back at 7 o'clock for kickoff, a reunion of the normal team of Simon Jordan, Gordon Strachan, and myself. And in our poll, Ancelotti, these are managers who are out of work. Who's the best? Ancelotti, 58%. Luis Enrique, 18%. But Tuchel and Coleman, level on 12%. Have PSG made the wrong call? God bless you all. And good night. Your call, PSG. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Danny Kelly's Trans-Europe Express on TalkSport.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.